Welcome back to MLEX's podcast covering regulatory affairs. I'm James Panicki. It's great to be with you again this week. Today, we're going to examine how the privacy law sausage gets made from two very different perspectives. We'll look at Brazil's historic new data protection legislation, the General Law for Data Protection. We'll discuss how it came to life and the steps still required to ensure that the new rules are firing on all cylinders. We'll cross to Sao Paulo in just a few minutes' time. But first up today, we'll review the EU's progress, or arguably the lack of progress, on a proposed e-privacy law. In what appears to be a strange turn of events, efforts to screen for images and messages of child abuse may offer a way around the deadlock, or at the very least a means by which to keep negotiations going. Matthew Newman is MLEX's chief correspondent, covering privacy and data protection from Brussels, and he joins me now. Uh, Matthew, let's start from the most compelling problem here, online child abuse. What is the European Commission doing about it? Well, back in July, the Commission said it wanted to have a new proposal on making sure that the telecommunications companies uh, would have the ability to keep monitoring, keep scanning for child abuse. And the, the reason why this is such a, an issue is because during the pandemic, uh, people are at home and there's just the, there's been a, a surge in, in images and text, uh, for child abuse. And at the end of this year, it's really crunch time because of a legal, uh, quirk. The, um, online services like WhatsApp or Viber, they will lo- no longer be able to voluntarily scan for these messages. So they had to put out a, a new proposal. And that's what they did a couple of weeks ago. Well, let's talk about that new proposal. What uh, does it amount to? What does it contain? So it is an exception. <laughs> uh, so there's these ongoing talks um, called uh, e-privacy. And the um, if you think about it, um, child abuse uh, images and all that, everyone wants to clamp down on it. But there's this um, tug of war between protecting people's privacy and then allowing law enforcement to crack down on this uh, horrible um, uh, abuse. So the compromise is to say, well, we're going to let our private companies uh, do that, but in order to to make that possible, we have to give them an exception to these e-privacy rules. And the the trick here is that the Commission had to come forward with these rules before the end of the year, before December 21st, because the, the, the legal basis for doing this would have expired at the end of the year. And so it's actually quite urgent for the EU governments and the European Parliament to pass these rules before the 21st of December. Okay, so what impact will this proposal by the Commission have on EU governments reaching an agreement on uh, new rules covering cookies and the confidentiality of communication networks? How will this play out? Yeah, so that's that was kind of the focus of my story because, um, as you can tell, James, this is a really contentious issue. Uh, it's very emotive. Uh, during the debates about e-privacy, when the issue about what are we going to do 
to continue to allow the uh, companies to voluntarily screen for these messages, what is going to happen in 2020 when these, these rules um, expire. And that was holding up an overall agreement on e-privacy. Now that the commission has carved out that particular issue and said, look, guys, we, this is a deadline that's approaching. We know it's a problem. We're going to have a separate regulation to deal with it. And then you can carry on with your normal talks on e-privacy, which, uh, to be honest, has enough problems uh, on its own because they're dealing with very contentious issues about uh, behavioral advertising, cookies, um, what kind of information telecom companies can gather on you without your consent. That's a real headache, but at least we're not going to have the headache of dealing with the child abuse question. So my my contention was carve that out, make that uh, a separate thing, and that will leave enough space for the member states to have an agreement. Well, given the complexity that you've just described, what is the state of play on the e-privacy talks? How close are the member states and all of those participating in these talks uh, to a deal, do you believe? Not close. (laughs) So we have a problem uh, in Brussels, and and that's the fact that uh, this proposal came out in 2017. And by Brussels standards, this is getting pretty, pretty grim. Uh, Three and a half years of negotiations uh, between the member states on on a proposal is not a good sign. Um, The idea was to get this uh, uh, regulation in uh, passed on the books at the same time as the uh, very famous um, GDPR, uh, which took effect in May 2018. They blew through that uh, goal and now um, there's no new text. The German presidency, so Germany has the six-month presidency of the EU, was uh, supposed to present a new text at the beginning of September. It's now at the end of September. There's still no new text. Uh, the latest I heard yesterday was that a meeting for the 28th of September uh, is, is no longer going to be even discussing this issue. And so as time progresses, more and more people are saying the commission may just give up and said, look, we're going to go back to the drawing board Uh, We're going to withdraw this proposal and start from scratch. Okay, so what happens if there is no agreement by the uh, EU governments by the end of this year? What happens then? Well, uh, it's it's bad news for um, companies like WhatsApp, uh, which is owned by Facebook or uh, Viber or anything like that, because they will automatically fall under the old rules. And when I say old, they're, they're dating back from 2002, the e-privacy directive. And that's bad for them because they are going to be under the same uh, obligations as a telecom company. So uh, they will have to get consent from their users to have, let's say, like uh, location data. So they're going to have to um, send out messages like, you know, do you actually want us to collect data on you when you're when you're walking around town? And that's uh, they use that data extensively. Uh, some of them, some companies use it for be- behavioral advertising. It's very lucrative uh, data. The telecom companies are uh, upset because they wanted to um, have uh, 
an increase in their use of this data. So it's kind of like a lose-lose situation. Um, you know, if you think about the EU as trying to be competitive with uh, the U.S. or China, uh, data is the new uh, gold, the new uh, currency. And here the EU is putting a clamp on the use of data, and it's just going to be more and more difficult for companies to uh, take advantage of this this vast store of information that they get on people um, once the um, the if, if the talks completely fail that's why these these talks are so important okay Matthew we'll see how things play out before this uh, deadline but thank you very much for taking the time to chat to us today James it's been a pleasure as always Matthew Newman is MLEX's Chief Correspondent covering data protection, privacy and telecoms. He was joining us from Waterloo, just outside Brussels. And I'm sure you'll agree that Matthew's continental credibility is greatly enhanced by his pronunciation of Viber as Viber, just in case you were wondering what app he was referring to. It took me a few minutes to work that one out. And we'll post a link to Matthew's recent analysis of the e-privacy proposal at our webpage, mnexmarketinsight.com. Still to come today, Brazil's General Law for Data Protection, or LGPD. It's now come into force, but there's still work to be done. And you're listening to MLEX's weekly regulatory podcast. I'm James Paniki. Thank you for staying with us. It's been a long and windy road for Brazil's new data protection law, with the country's Senate voting in favour of the legislation several years ago now. However, today there seems to be broad agreement that the laws will bolster Brazil's prospects on the world stage, with guarantees now in place for the flow of data between Brazil and its trading partners. That said, some uncertainty does remain. Ana Paula Candil is an MLEX correspondent in Sao Paulo. She's been covering developments for us with great insight, and she joins me now. Uh, Ana Paula, firstly, uh, can you tell me something about what the LGPD is? What does it do exactly? Hi, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, this law basically regulates the treatment of personal data of customers and users by public and private companies. Um, it's good to remember how positive this law is to Brazil because it enables our insertion in the international trade of digital economy um, and it, it also guarantees the free flow of personal data between Brazil and, and other countries like European ones. Yeah. And before the LGPD existed, were there any protections for um, privacy and for, for data? Um, yeah, there were. You know, there are uh, consumer protection aid entities um, and the public prosecution services that have ongoing data privacy cases, but they usually use other laws to penalize companies for data breaches. For example, they use the consumer code, um, the, protect, the consumer protection code, and, and the civil fra- uh, internet framework for that. Okay, so the LGPD is now in effect. The authority to enforce that law hasn't been put in place yet. How does that affect companies wanting to adhere to the new law? Well, the biggest issue with having a data protection law with no proper authority to enforce it is mostly that companies and data holders won't have the guidance they need to interpret the law properly, especially at the beginning of the process. What happens is that in the absence of a specialized authority, 
companies will have no other choice but to seek guidance from other entities um, like courts, public prosecution services and, and consumer protection agencies. And the issue with that is, you know, having a multiplicity of conflicting decisions because we will have different authorities deciding on data privacy matters without minimal coordination between them. And this could be a real problem for companies willing to comply with the new law, right? Mm. Um, so I would say that having a single authority to sort of centralize and unify interpretation of the law is crucial for legal certainty. Well, let's talk about the timetable for that authority. President Bolsonaro has now published a decree with the rules that will govern uh, the National Authority for Data Protection, the ANPD. Can the uh, Bolsonaro government now start to appoint people to the agency or are there further steps in the process? Yes, he can. That actually is the next step. Um, he needs to nominate the present director of the authority. Um, the thing is that the nomination process in Brazil also depends on the Senate um, approval. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure that there is a favorable environment for voting on nominations of agencies right now because um, we are going to have municipal elections in November this year. But I hope I'm wrong about that. Mm. And there had even been a proposal that the competition authority, Kaje, could act as the data protection authority. That idea didn't end up going anywhere, did it? Exactly. Um, it didn't um, go anyway. Kaji issued... Actually, it issued a, um, a, a study telling um, the executive power that it was the most, let's say, prepared authority to become the data protection authority as well, because they already have the infrastructure, they have some knowledge on the, on the subject. But that didn't go anywhere, because the executive power wants an agency that is linked to them, and, and Kaji is linked to the Ministry of Justice. Ah, I see. So, so I think that was the main problem. Yes, yeah, so it comes down to uh, who controls what, which is very interesting in terms of the political uh, dynamics. As for the penalties relating to breaches... Uh, they won't kick in until August 2021. So does that mean that companies have nothing to worry about until next year? Uh, well, yes and no. You know, the, the Data Protection Authority, when implemented, won't be able to, to penalise anyone until August next year because that's what the law says, of course, unless Congress changes that. But certainly public prosecutors and consumer protection authorities, as we were talking before, they will continue to investigate their, their data privacy cases, um, meaning they could issue penalties if they want to. There is you know, nothing in this law saying that they can't do that. And also they can penalize by using their own laws. So for instance, um, prosecutors could penalize a company for a data breach citing the new data protection law in its decision, but also using other laws like they usually do. Um, for example, the civil code, the, the civil internet framework, and even the consumer protection code. So there is this general perception that only administrative fines won't be imposed by next August. Now, there's still another step to this process, a piece of uh, legislation, an amendment that is before Congress that would uh, list the protection of data as a fundamental right in the Constitution. Uh, this would establish a federal role in enacting data protection and privacy laws. Why is that final step uh, so important? So the part of the proposed amendment that include digital privacy among the list of fundamental rights of Brazilian citizens 
is seen as a positive but largely symbolic move. However, the inclusion of a provision bearing municipal legislation on, on, on data protection matters would have a much more concrete impact on increased legal certainty. And that is because if the provision restraining cities and states is approved by the House of Deputies, companies will very likely be free of the risk of facing scrutiny and potential sanctions at multiple government levels over a single set of facts. And, and there is also the fact that this proposed amendment would somehow aid in consolidating the data protection authorities' central position in the country's regulatory universe, um, avoiding the creation of multiplicity of local agencies with, with the same purpose. Ana Paula, there's clearly still some way to go, but thank you so much for all of your recent uh, coverage on the LGPD. Thank you, James. Ana Paula Candil is a reporter from NLEX in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we'll post a link to her recent work on the Brazilian privacy law at our webpage, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X, marketinsight.com. Click on the Insight Center tab for our latest articles and podcasts. And that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to MLEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Leave a review, tell your friends about it, spread the word, you'll be helping us a lot. Next week, we'll be taking a closer look at the antitrust controversies surrounding the app stores run by Apple and Google. As you know, we've been covering this story from many angles here at MLEX, and for the podcast, we'll take a look at the unfolding lawsuit in the US brought against Apple by Epic, the company behind the popular game Fortnite. And we'll also see how a related issue is playing out in South Korea, where the communications regulator is asking whether Google's in-app payment policy, which requires all developers to use Google Play's billing system, whether it could harm consumers. It will be a great issue to thrash out with our correspondents who have been covering these stories with such aplomb. I hope you can join us next week for that discussion. I'm James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor here at MNEX. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.